1: How to build a dynasty juggernaut to help win championships this year and for years to come. That's what we're going to be talking about on today's Road to Is Overtime. We have bought ourselves a orphan dynasty team. We have plugged this, kind of promoted this over the last couple of weeks as something that we were going to do, but got some positive feedback and we're going into it. We're hoping to have probably one episode a week where we dedicate it to the moves and the, the kind of strategy to turn this team into a hopeful contender, Sean for 2022 and we're going to talk through a number of different scenarios maybe some player takes probably we're going to talk about some of those after the trades and things are complete or trades fall apart because we don't want to i know sean we're playing in our our best ball leagues and i'm sure it's gonna be similar in this there's gonna be some people that are listening to the show and they're they're gonna know each and everything so it might be better to uh record these a little bit in hindsight maybe a week behind what we have actually done in the league but i'm really excited about it this is the first dynasty team that myself and Sean have owned together I've been jealous over the years with the teams that he has owned with other people involved in the podcasts and and so on and so forth so I've got in here I I used to get you know I get all the best ball content so I'm looking forward to getting some dynasty stuff here with Sean first question sometimes Sean is you know startup drafts are what most people think of when they think of a dynasty league where you start from scratch you get a pick in the the first round continues throughout the rest of the draft you Pick from the entire pool of players. and each year you have your rookie draft, you keep those players, you are able then to do trades and, and move and try and build your squad that way. Obviously, the opposite side is what we're doing here. And we will potentially do the startup as well as the offseason goes along, but we wanted to jump in and get involved in this. And starting with an orphan team, it is basically a team that has been. For one reason or another, passed on by its manager and not able to keep that team going, moving into the 2023 season. In this case, the FFPC have lots of teams that are available for that scenario. There is a couple of ways, and we'll talk about that maybe later on today's show. Where certain teams, if they're missing picks, for example, maybe priced at a discount versus full price teams. Spoiler alert: the team we did go for, Sean, we were between two different options. The one we went for was a full price team and we'll see how that goes moving forward. So we have taken over this roster that we're going to talk about on today's show, but Sean, pressing news to start things off, and this is the the most important part of the whole series, is coming up with what the name should be. We got a lot of different names in. We got the Dynasty Do-Over was one of them. We got Overtime and a Half, which I thought was interesting. That one came in from Alex. But I do think there was also, he he, sent three great suggestions, Rebuilding Champion Overtime. Okay, that was one of them overtime and a half was the other i think at the moment this is my favorite one is the overtime overhaul as we will be over overhauling this roster and the ones that i mentioned earlier this week that i did get a couple of messages of positive feedback for the road of orphan time we got ot dynasty reanimators which i also loved and we got overtime overgrind they were kind of the top suggestions that did come in sean i'm gonna put you on the spot and there's two t- two team or two show names here I I really like one is overtime overhaul the other one is the dynasty reanimators on the spot which one are we going for here
2: well they're the reanimators I I do think that the the other finalist is the overhaul that's a great use of the words there you got that great sound overtime overhaul Come on, I want to do them both. I want to do both. So we'll see. It may be something that we split out into a couple of different series. And we appreciate all of the suggestions. There were a lot of fantastic ones in there. I also think, however, that we do have to admit what's actually happened here as a starting point. You mentioned that we had a number of people message that after listening to the previous show, they went out and bought themselves orphans which that part is really cool. The startup draft for the team that we purchased, I think, did take place in 2022. So that's another thing in terms of not being in mature leagues where there are two or three teams that are so far ahead of everybody else. I mean, that part is always nice. But the fact that there are good teams available is fun. You can start from a pretty high (laughs) beginning and then remake the team the way that you want. We're kind of talking about reanimating a team that, I'm going to call this team finished second last year. <laughs> so there are going to be some ways in which maybe it doesn't need the same amount of work as an abandoned team where someone was finishing last every season and just couldn't take it anymore. And and that's kind of the fun part again, where the FFPC has a lot of teams here that you can just go out and purchase and win right away. Yeah, you definitely can. So
1: I mentioned I suppose we'll jump into that. So we had the idea, and maybe now, Sean, you've put pressure on us, we're gonna to have to do one where we just like really start from, from scratch with a, a team that is has no chance this year but the thing is with some of these teams you can turn them around very very quick so we were into a situation where we had the opportunity to go ahead and pick a team and there is teams out there that have fantastic players on it and I think when I read through this team as we start out I think it's going to be a lot of listeners will say that's a that's a pretty good team as as things stand so some things to look for I guess Sean I'll say is what are we trying to do here when we're setting it up and when you're looking through a website for example like the ffpc which is just absolutely fantastic for dynasty leagues they range from 77 dollars all the way up into the high stakes this team that we bought was in the 250 dollar range you want to check if the team has all their picks or if they're missing picks and what picks may be missing have they late round pick have they early round picks kind of similar similar stuff that you're kind of doing if you're in a league already and you're trying to make a trade with somebody and where their pick may be valued at the end of that year but one of the teams was missing a second round pick that's the team i'm going to mention in a second but it also had some i think had less star power than the team that we eventually bought which also had all off its picks but they were lit round picks entering as sean mentioned they came second this past season so the team we went for zero discount full price 250 in the 250 dollar range. The other team I'm going to talk about had a $75 discount, so $175 for year one. Quarterback Sean are Kirk Cousins, Tua, Gardner Minshew. So obviously a third piece that is sat in there. Then we have running backs, DeAndre Swift, Raheem Mostert, De- uh, Damian Harris, Alexander Madison, and Antonio Gibson. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle, Curtis Samuel. We have Pickens, we have uh Jameson Williams, we have Michael Gallup, Rondell Moore, and then DeAndre Hopkins. And that's paired out at tight end with Pat Fairmuth, Evan Ingram. We do have, Sean, I didn't get it last year in our baseball leagues. I couldn't get a team that we drafted Brevin Jordan in, but we have Brevin Jordan on this dynasty roster. We also have Isaiah Likely in there as well. So what I liked in this team, there is veterans that have the value, but there's also the rookies that are potential to come true here. And there's just in terms of the overall value off this team, the other team we looked at was Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence, Andy Dalton, James, or James Winston, Jared Stidham, Miles Sanders, Jamal Williams, Kenneth Walker, Kenneth Gainwell, James Cook, and Gibson was also on that team. Then it was T. Higgins, Brandon Nayuk, Mike Williams, Christian Watson, Traylon Burks, Rondell Moore, it was also on that team. And then Demarcus Robinson off of the Baltimore Ravens finished out with Dallas Goddard, Trey McBride, and joan johnson there as well so i think both teams have have bright spots have positives and i guess uh i just thought that the upside of our our other team sean that we did eventually go for was was worth paying the extra 75 bucks for some of the key parts as we go into talk through what we would potentially do with the roster will be the overall roster construction so sean who are setting up these rosters what are we looking to do with our starting lineups i guess that's the key point of uh the elements and some of the ridges around it as well at the quarterback position.
2: Yeah. So I had made a little bit of a pitch to you to do the team that maybe needed a little bit more rebuilding and had Trevor Lawrence as the foundation piece. So you have this contrast between a team that has two quarterbacks and in the super flex, that's one thing you are going to be looking at the teams that only have one and you don't have an early pick. It's going to be difficult to get to that quarterback. You're going to have to give a lot of pieces away to get to two. Now I am not as set on the star QBs and superflex in dynasty as many managers are. So that's something as we talk about Tua, as we talk about Kirk Cousins, we might even look at taking on some risk if we get younger with pieces who, I mean, frankly, they could miss. I mean, you take on a Zach Wilson, obviously you wouldn't take him on for this year, but you take him on for last year. And it's a, Very stark and bleak illustration of what can happen if that young guy can't make it. And it's difficult to become a successful starting QB in the NFL. So there is risk there. But if you hit, then you've accomplished the key piece of your roster at such a discount that it allows you to do so many other things. It's almost like taking on that rookie contract in a reality team where you can build so many other things around it. But that's really what you're looking at to start with is does your team have two quarterbacks and if it doesn't does it have a realistic path to getting other guys the thing you can do as the season goes along if you are competitive is be very aggressive in free agency adding the backups as they become more relevant with injuries hopefully we won't go through a season in the near future that has as many injuries as we had this year but it was almost like you had an entire second wave of QBs and other 15 to 20 guys who maybe weren't owned at the beginning. Part of the fun of these formats is that with only 20 roster spots, free agency matters. And I I like that. That's pretty fun. I also love having obviously 30, 40 roster spot leagues where you can take shots on deep players and actually hold them and stash them. You have enough spots to do that, but play both, right? And this is so much fun because Every week, free agency matters. If you're in a, a 30 or 40 roster spot league, everyone to include the backup quarterbacks is already on some roster. You know, you, you just kind of set and you're going through it for a full season, not being able to make adjustments. So that's something else that I think is a real, so that's something else that I think is a real selling point of the FFPC, Rotoviz Triflex leagues. You mentioned the first round picks. Those are going to be important. And then even sort of the volume of second and third round picks. If you see some teams out there that have multiple seconds or multiple thirds, you want to keep in mind that teams are going to have to cut down to 16. So there are going to be some veterans in the drafts as well. You may have the mindset of, okay, third round picks in rookie drafts really aren't worth anything. And if you get yourself caught into the idea that they are, you end up spending a lot of time and a lot of resources on very, very, peripheral type players and you can trick yourself into thinking you've got something when you don't. These leagues are a little bit different. So you have some veterans in there. You like that part of it. When you're looking at the quarterback position, you're looking at the picks. I think you're also kind of strangely looking at tight end because we do have the tight end premium element of it and scarcity at tight end can be a very real thing. We know it's a real thing in redraft leagues and best ball leagues. We know about the elite tight end and how that supercharges a best ball roster. To get a guy like a Pat Friermuth that we have on this team, he could easily be the tight end one in Dynasty in 12 months. That was the big selling point for me. Now, their team has Trey McBride. He's a guy that I think we want to try and get everywhere. Both rosters had Rondell Moore with the news that the Cardinals are almost certainly going to move DeAndre Hopkins. Rondell Moore, someone I would want to get on almost every team. He was available on both of these. He would probably be my number one pick at this time of the offseason to say a guy who's going to outperform his ADP is like in a best ball league by five rounds. Rondell Moore, pretty straightforward. Especially if the Cardinals make a competent hire. They seem to be interviewing some interesting head coaching prospects. If they get a guy in there that you can trust, make sure you have Rondell Moore on these teams. But QB tight end, the picks, obviously running back and wide receiver are going to make a big difference. If you have a ton of depth at both of those spots, you're golden. If you don't have any, you've got a lot of work to do. The thing that kind of pushed this one over the top was Justin Jefferson, which, I mean, you can't get him in leagues where you drafted previously. You don't have him on your roster. Whoever the Justin Jefferson manager is, you're not going to be able to get that. So Another little selling point, not that you need more, but there are some Justin Jefferson teams out there. You can go out and purchase them as orphans, and suddenly you have Justin Jefferson. The other 11 miniatures in your league don't. That's a little fun. piece to have that now you can be a Justin Jefferson enthusiast going into 2023.
1: Yeah, because when we were looking at these two teams, Sean, and again, going back just to the the starting lineup requirements and the other very interesting part with the, the Triflex leagues over at the FFPC is 22 roster spots during the season. So a lot of the dynasty leagues that I'm playing in will be 30 roster spots, 28 roster spots. There's a lot more ability to you know pad out that roster with those flyers. But when you're in this league, you mentioned even on a weekly basis, there will be some veteran options out there. On the waiver wire obviously not the top end ones but there will be options available but with this also starting three wide receivers a little bit like the underdog drafts where you're starting three wide receivers so you're starting a minimum of three you can potentially start five so again something that obviously is a road of flex triflex league sean it's uh <laughs> there's a reason that we enjoy enjoy the settings here as well that is just another part of it but looking between those two teams part of the decision you mentioned there the tight end and pat ferram has been able to have him i mentioned on the previous show this week that i really like dallas goddard the other part that's at the tight end position is evan ingram who i think is very interesting based on how this season finished He's probably somebody that we're going to look to move But there's some players in this that i think from league to league will, will vary a little bit in value that are are potentially interesting veterans that we can move Trevor Lawrence was the quarterback off that other roster, which for me at that point was a a major selling point. The other player that's in there is Kenneth Walker, and I always find it hard to pass up on somebody like T Higgins. With The other roster having quite a few young pieces in there mixed in, but this roster having them mixed in. But I actually think that although Kirk Cousins and Tua is on this roster, the the upside of having Trevor Lawrence there I think is just so big that I was very tempted with the other situation as well because you're getting the young quarterback who is sending – I don't think we've seen what his seeding is yet. We've seen some massive performances from him in the second half of this season, but you have Kirk Cousins who, although quarterbacks can play much, much longer, he is not somebody that I have been sold on. I think he is at this point as much a product of Justin Jefferson as he is to do with you know what he his ability is. And I think there's a number of other quarterbacks that could probably go in and do very similar to what he does, but that still means that he's putting up those fantasy points and the big question mark is Tua. Who, you know, I have real concerns about the long term future of him in the NFL. We'll see again. I, I think it's a situation, Sean, that potentially none of these quarterbacks are on this roster when we get to NFL Week One. But Lawrence give me a lot of pause versus having two quarterbacks and Cousins and Tua. Would you be looking at that the same way, or would you have some different thoughts on the, the quarterback element? You already mentioned willing to take the risks, but you also touched on having two quarterbacks that are starting in Cousins and Tua wasn't the main selling point. So what were your thoughts there? Because while they are starting quarterbacks, I think there's still a huge amount of risk involved in in both of those guys, whereas if they were somewhere where we move down, get a younger player who hasn't hit fully yet, I, I think that would be a better way to take this quarterback room.
2: Yeah, and this team that we took over was actually managed by one of the really strong FFPC managers. And so not surprising that it was put together in a really intelligent way. You look at how does the team finish second in the inaugural season and yet still have a lot of youth? Because you immediately think, okay, well, this team finished second. It's going to be a win now team. We're going to have to do some things to make sure that it doesn't deteriorate very rapidly. Because the startup teams that are drafted to win in the first season, sometimes they do win. But if you don't win, then you're very quickly into this time period. You're into this window where if you don't get young in a hurry, you're staring at a five, six, seven year rebuild. This team not in that situation in any way, shape or form. You have DeAndre Swift as a young running back. You have all of those young wide receivers, including guys like Pickens and Jamison Williams who weren't even first-year targets at all in terms of what they're going to do. You've got the young tight end in Friar move. This team is loaded with young pieces and has the depth that's necessary covered already. That part, extremely fun. You mentioned that you can start five wide receivers. If you want to start a receiver in the super flex, which obviously you can do if you don't have the second quarterback, you can actually get to six wide receivers. The Receiver depth becomes very, very important But yeah, I'm thinking along the same lines where Kirk Cousins, Tua, both players that we could potentially move. But the reason this team was able to get so many young pieces at the other positions and yet still have two viable starting quarterbacks who put up a lot of points because Cousins and Tua both scored a lot, especially when Tua was obviously out there, is that he went with guys who were going to be in that sort of third, fourth tier, however you want to look at it, but were in great shape to be the starter and had some pieces around them. This team, you think about the wide receiver position and Justin Jefferson Jalen Waddell and those two quarterbacks go with them. Now, in a 12-team league, in a dynasty format, I'm not necessarily worried about or interested in keeping those guys together at all. But from a startup perspective, I mean, it's very straightforward that when those quarterbacks come to you at a good price, that you're going to snap them up and you're going to win in a hurry.
1: Yeah, and I think that that was a good breakdown of it because, again, even last year, I know Trevor Lawrence is coming in to a second season off obviously a terrible rookie season, but as a a 101 pick and where Kirk Cousins too and potentially even Lawrence, like all those guys would have bolstered their value last season. So, again, what you were talking about, taking that little bit of risk at the quarterback position to build up those other spots, I think is, is very well put. Sean, when we look through it, what other scenarios are you looking at when you're thinking or, or if for recommending to a listener to go in and, and pick out one of these teams one of the things and i tend to do this sean for a lot of the things we do whether it's basketball i, I like uh, visual kind of aids to help me make decisions and something that we did with these was i paired the two teams on an excel sheet and kind of color coded some of the players as to you know their their value as you know high value mid value little to no value slim value and seeing which showing out in the traffic light colors of which had the most green which had the most red and was pretty even but i think the most green was certainly in the second team which was able to put us over the edge a little bit then to make that decision i'm very much stimulated by you know being able to see something visually makes me make those decisions much much simpler is there anything that you would be recommending for people potentially going in obviously the first step is to to dive in and look at what teams are available but what, what are you thinking then
2: You're going to be able to keep 16 players. And so it's really the top 16 that you're most interested in. You want to have as much concentration of talent at the top as possible because teams are going to have to cut down to 16 and are going to have 20 in season as the roster number. Now, it doesn't mean you should ignore the players beyond 16. If you find one of these rosters that maybe doesn't have the top guys but is deeper, then you have the fun element of getting in there and trying to figure out how you can unload player 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, because you've got to get rid of them or else you're just going to have to cut them. The other managers in your league know that, and yet at the same time, there are deals to be made if you're fair and reasonable in the discussions and if you're creative in the discussions. You want to make sure that you're listening to the opposing manager trying to figure out what they need, what their objectives are, what they're willing to pay, and if they're not interested in a particular guy, you've got to be able to move off of that and work with some different players. Make sure you keep your whole league involved. You don't want to burn any relationships with opposing managers. Even if somebody gets under your skin a little bit because of their reaction to a trade proposal, you want to just kind of push that off to the side and continue to keep them in mind because sometimes that person will come back and, and make you a great offer. You don't want to have a situation where you can only trade with four or five people So I'm looking at that. But the other thing to always do is to keep in mind that the team that you're looking at isn't necessarily the team as it's going to be. And so if there are players on the team that you don't want, but you know have value, don't be afraid to take the team and move them. So, I mean, with Justin Jefferson, he's not someone we're looking to move because he's kind of the whole reason that we wanted the team in the first place. But even the really valuable players, I always encourage fantasy managers to consider what they could potentially get. Will the team look better? Will it be deeper if you're willing to trade that person? So this team, again, fairly strong. But if the team had been weaker, if you don't have the Jamison Williams or the George Pickens on there, you know maybe you move a Justin Jefferson. Maybe you move a Jalen Waddle. Colin, I'm kind of assuming that even though DeAndre Swift is one of our guys, that if we can move him to increase flexibility, to increase depth, he's someone that we would get out there and potentially move. It was interesting that both teams had Antonio Gibson. He's someone whose value could be all over the place this off season. So you're going to be looking at points where you could both buy and sell him. So that part I think is interesting. These veteran backs, you want to understand that people are not going to pay the previous year's prices just because of the name. And yet at the same time, there are going to be managers who are very clearly in a championship window and if you're willing to take on some risk and you're willing to understand what the actual fair prices are, you can move some of those veteran running backs to participants who need them more or they're better fits, or just stylistically they're willing to take them and keep them. Whereas I mean you want to get off of those guys, but you want to be fair and you want to be flexible in terms of discussions with the other players because you can turn that roster over and sometimes you're going to turn it over in a way where you wish you had just taken that veteran running back and played them for the upcoming season and ridden their value to zero because the value that you got out of playing them for a year and then getting nothing in return at the end was more than the value you got for trading them for not very much because that player ends up busting and giving you no points. So you've got to keep a variety of things in mind that there's no one path that you have to take. We're definitely going to be looking at this from our overall mindset of creating a permanent championship window, perpetual reloading, not getting so attached to players to where if their value is better in a trade and can give you depth and can give you pieces for the future, that you won't do that. I put out an article on the site recently going over the five teams that I've drafted with five different co-managers over the past two years looking at where those teams were and the pieces that they had and how I would value those pieces and the fun part of it, or there were were a variety of fun things, but what we have done in all five of those teams is to get a lot of draft value in 2023, which then will push out into the future as well. We're not going to be able to make all of those picks. We're not going to be able to keep all of those players. So you're going to trade back out of 2023 into 2024. But once you get the machine going, it's not that it's automatic. You're going to still have to do the work. But if the work is what you signed up for, if making trades is the fun part for you, then taking that value of 2023 and moving it into future years, it becomes a perpetual motion machine, really. It becomes money tree where once you have that built up when you have uh, some of these teams have 12 picks in the first three rounds so you have a a full third of the first three rounds some of the teams have 20 picks overall so for the summer you're going to actually have 36 guys on your roster so the 16 players you can keep and then another 20 and again i mean some listeners are going to say that's not really the way I want to do it. I don't want to have to make trades to get rid of 20 guys, or in this case, 16 guys to get back down to 20. But if you like fantasy, if you like dynasty, if you like trading, it just gives you so many options because yeah, most of the trade offers you put out there are going to be summarily rejected, not because they're bad offers, but they just don't fit. And maybe the opposing manager's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to try and move this player to me for a far less in a month. When you come down to the trade deadline, everything doesn't always work out. And you want to know that and internalize that. But my experience has been that if you're fair and you work with the other managers, that you can move the pieces, even if it seems like it's too many. And, and part of it too, when you're drafting that many guys, some of those players you drafted in rounds four, rounds five, rounds six, rounds seven. Now there are some big time veterans who go into those spots and a big time from the perspective of their Situation could change dramatically during the offseason, and suddenly you want that guy. MVS is someone, just as, as an example, that you would be able to get deep into a rookie slash veteran draft, and then he has quite a bit of value in terms of where he's going in redraft. And then that obviously wrinkles back into what the dynasty value is going to be. Now, MVS is a little bit of a tricky example because he then busted. And so he didn't actually deliver the value that people were hoping. But you still get these spikes in value to where if you have stashed an additional 10 to 15 players, then you have all of that optionality. You have five lottery tickets hit. Suddenly you can move foundation pieces for multiple picks in following drafts. You can move the lottery tickets for pieces in following drafts. So you just want to create as many different pathways to success and to value. And we're going to create as much overall value on the roster as we possibly can. That's the exercise. That's the fun part. That's what we'll be looking to do here. And you want to create those pathways while not taking on too much risk. One of the things that we did have happen on some of these teams that I've drafted previously is that a few of the quarterbacks have missed, have busted. And so then you've got to figure out ways to get through and make that work. The flip side of it is that some of the key targets like a Daniel Jones and a Jerry Goff, their value has gone through the roof compared to what it was before. So if you're willing to take on some of that risk, if you're willing to mix and match, if you're willing to take the down year and say, if I do have a down year, but I have a permanent championship window, then the down year simply helps me get even more value out of my picks for next season. So if I miss the playoffs, The other cool thing I think we mentioned, but you're going to compete for the 101 as opposed to it going to the worst team. So if you have the team that finishes seventh, but is the best team to miss the playoffs, yeah, you don't get a buy. So the two worst teams get a buy, but you win in the first round, suddenly you're the final four. You can win through, win the 101, add more value back into your team. So those are the things that we'll be thinking about. Those will be the obstacles we're navigating. It's the fun part of the whole experience column as you can probably tell as i kind of get wound up here that i'm excited for this this is going to be a lot of fun
1: yeah the listeners are probably thinking like column don't end the show now sean's just getting started here with the goodness but there'll be lots more of that to come throughout the course of the off season as we continue this series which sean it feels like we have a name but we'll we'll leave it and fully put it in concrete this time next week but you mentioned (laughs) this isn't going to be the name but the uh, dynasty money tree could have been a very interesting name you mentioned that it, it could almost be a money tree so uh but we'll, we'll go with one of the other two options we'll take some listener feedback over the course of the next week to see which one we go with but the reanimators is in first place as we get ready to wrap up sean i do want to let the listeners know if there is anything dynasty related or if they are thinking about some topics for buying an orphan team or a startup we'll be going through lots of stuff like that throughout this series but send in those questions and we'll put them in as we go along to what shows they might fit. You can send them my way on Twitter at Overtime or you can email them at rotavisradio at gmail.com or overtimeireland at gmail.com. Either of those, I'll be able to get them. So send them over the next couple of weeks. We'll try and add them into as many shows as we can. If it's not dynasty related, we're always looking for content and topic ideas as well. Feel free to send them my way as well. As I mentioned on the previous shows, the Road of His Draft Guide is available now for pre-order, all three volumes for $20. That will also help you for your dynasty rosters heading into the 2023 season. There is a link in today's show notes. Do not miss out. Perfect time. Sign up. Get the edge. The first copy is coming in the very near future. Drops in early February. That is the end of today's show, the end of the third show of the week. Thank you very much for listening in. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter. And over to Marlon, my co host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back with the next episode, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotaviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotaviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Roto-Viz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotaviz with a discount through the Roto-Viz Radio homepage rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.